Hello. Thanks for calling the tabletop. Nope. Thanks for joining us at the Tabletop Calling Show. We are here to talk to you, the viewer, about games and stuff and whatever else. I, as always, I am Adam Bell. You could find me anywhere at Adam E. Bell. Uh, check out the games that I make because they're good at AdamEBell.Games. I'm joined by. Hi. Hi, everyone. I am Jeremy Gage. You can find me at Jeremy Gage5 over on Twitter. And you can listen to the Draw Your Dice podcast where I talk to a ton of cool people about cool game related items. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and you can. <laughs> I never. We never do this stuff. You can follow the show on Twitter at Tabletop Colin. Um, you should subscribe on Twitch. I think that does something. <laughs> Let's you know whenever we're going live. Yeah, you should. Testing new streaming equipment. (laughs) Yeah, well, that should be fixed now. You can, yeah, follow us here. Get us in your podcast app. Rate us on iTunes or whatever the hell you're supposed to say about podcasts. Uh, Go to the YouTube to watch the archive. Thumb that shit up. (laughs) If you're here on YouTube, subscribe to that. Look, it's all, I'm doing great here. How are you, Jeremy? I'm doing good. I uh, had a lot of interviews this week for uh, the DYD podcast. Also, hashtag Juice Nation for all the juicers out there. Uh, uh, oh, shit. To bring you those videos. Oh, good. Sorry. Go back one Go back one sentence because I am just idly clicking in Discord and left, left the channel. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, Juice Nation doing okay. the interviews. Great. Uh, juicers out there. And just live in a life of non-luxury. Non-luxury. That's great. We love to hear. Uh, <laughs> we love to hear that. I am continuing my streak of doing this show as my only interaction, really, with tabletop RPGs, except for like light design work on the back end, trying to get my projects to completion. So, still haven't played shit. Uh, still haven't read shit, <laughs> but hopefully that'll come to an end soon. How about you? Have you played anything? You, you seem like you've got some weekly, weekly stuff. If yeah, I'm not I'm mistaken, playing a, I'm playing a campaign of lighthearted with a couple of friends every Monday. Uh, that's been fun to explore. I'm about to do like a time skip in the sophomore year for that, and then lighthearted by Kurt Potts. Go out and get it. It's real good. Um, and then let's see, I'm playing in a D&D one shot tonight to help a friend, uh, gap up like a party separation thing. So I'll be playing like a lore dumping PC. Oh, there we go. And then those are fun. Yeah. I, like I just, that. basically I'm co-DMing. Yeah. Um, and other than that, not currently trying to get a Band of Blades game off the ground, but Jesus yeah? Christ, can it just not? <laughs> Everyone's, we're all busy. We're all busy. It's tough to schedule, I guess. Yeah. Adults, Who knew? You know, weirdos. <laughs> Hopefully, eventually, I will be ready to schedule something like that. I'm just bad. I, I don't know if we've talked about this on the show or not, but I'm really bad at playing online games if I'm not playing in-person games. Because mm-hmm. it's it, just an energy level thing. I I need to charge the energy from doing things in person, mm-hmm. and playing games mm-hmm. in person, and then I'm like, oh, I love playing games a lot. 
where else can I do that? I could do that on the internet with my cool friends from there. But without that first step, I'm just like, oh, I got to sit in front of the computer. Computer? Are, are games even fun? <laughs> We're trying to make them funner every day. Yeah. Every day on the internet. We do our best. Wait. <laughs> Uh, no callers yet. Do you want to take, uh, do you want to do a, one of the special questions? Twitter yeah, questions? Yeah. Did we pull the ones from this week? <laughs> we have more from this week? Uh-oh. <laughs> did not we see do. that. I'll find it. Uh, but we do have one from, uh, Aaron Lim. Oh, yeah, from last week that we didn't do? Yeah. Because it was yep, long? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not long, but could have a long answer. Well, first we should do Aaron Lim's first one from last week, which is best grappling rules. <laughs> So I, I, I need don't to hear that from you. Answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the I think best grappling rules are you put the dice down, you remove all the paper off of the table, okay. everyone gets up, and then they grapple. A physical challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Not determined by stats, not determined by rules, but through sheer force of will. Alright, and then the other half of the question was on a less shit posty note how much do you slash should you tell players about the inner workings of games the reasoning behind mechanical choices and why are they usually seen as separate from the main text uh i think that you absolutely should i am a bait like um I've been reading through the affinity design workbooks mm-hmm. and they have like little blocked out red quotes that indicate like hey this is like something this tool is supposed to be used for right. an example or such and i would i personally and i think numenera also does this as well numenera has a lot of that side designer mm-hmm. um addition in it yeah helpings i would love that i i it's something i want to do for my games like hey this was the intended purpose of this rule or whatever or this section right mm-hmm. this is what i was trying to capture if you need help as the gm or if you need help as the player to understand what's going on sort of like an extra helping hand thing i can see why not everyone would want to do that sort of maybe as like a narrative um i don't know narrative leniency i yeah. suppose but uh, I love it. I think I think designer tips in games could be very cool, especially if like visually designed in a in a great way. I think it can add yeah, a lot. Yeah, if you put them, putting them in that sidebar like that, does bring up the the half the question of why are they separate from the main text? But like, I am kind of desperate to make a bigger book so that I can, because mm-hmm. when I'm designing for like a small like a zine size, and my games already run over on page count for what I would like to put in a zine so I have no free space to play with in that in that so I, I would love to make a book like that that has that extra stuff mm-hmm. but I think I do usually put I can't remember cuz this I can't do I you've read some of my stuff do I yeah explain my why I'm doing things it's <laughs> <laughs> last time uh, I read one I of my games in- been a while your naturally lends into like you put it in the main text you sort of say like hey this game is meant to do this thing and it's not going to execute this other thing that you think it might do mm-hmm. um like i think i think i remember mm-hmm. you have some of that no stone unturned and you definitely have some of that like voice in reliance as right. well 
Yeah, and because in Reliance, it's like these all I, the way I've presented these mechanics, it's so that you can tell a, a story about a story about revolution that is not. Uh, wow, <laughs> my brain is not the cylinders no, are not good. firing today. Uh, a version of it that is not about like the the normal stories of revolution that we see in media where it's like, oh, we just banded up, and then, well, because we banded up, we won. There's no additional work needed. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It seems seems that Eli wants to call in, (laughs) but hasn't, doesn't know the link, maybe? Is that true? Yeah, e- Eli says, uh, tell me, Jeremy, what, what do I do? I assume that's in reference to calling in. Also, or was it to... oh. making fun of me saying, <laughs> asking you to tell me how I make oh. my games? <laughs> <laughs> well, then I misunderstood. But either way, Eli, you should call in. Just I don't know if Eli's here. called in yet. Yeah, get... I don't think. Everyone get the fuck in here. I'll say it. I'll use the F word. I We need callers today. We need questions. Unless I can find that Twitter post that has additional questions on it. I do have it up. So once we're cool. once we're done juicing this fruit. Bounce me a wanna bounce me a link? I'm trying to think oh yeah. I mean it's in here, I'll just put it in that channel. Yeah. I'm trying cool. to think of uh I had a different I had another answer to this, I think. The inner workings, the reasoning. Yeah, it was it, it kinda opens up a conversation about who we're designing the games for. Like, are we designing um, games for game designers? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or are we designing games for people to to play them um, or to read them and, and like, understand how they would play them at least? And I don't know giving the reason... I don't know who giving the reasoning behind the mechanical mechanical choices is for in that case. Like, is that, hey, other game designers, you know how mechanics work. (laughs) Check this one out. That's why I did that one. Like, I genuinely don't know of a time in my life that I was reading games without, like, that type of already mechanical brain. And so I enjoy reading that stuff. But, like, you'd have to get a focus group together to see if your average dice roller enjoys it. I I think think what that lays up for me is that I recently had a talk with Dan Phipps and Kali Laurie. Uh, from Gem Room Games, and Kali talks about, we had a conversation about accessibility. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that maybe people aren't thinking about when it comes to accessibility is the new player experience. Because a lot, uh, she said she finds a lot of games that she reads kind of make assumptions that you've been playing tabletop games for the last decade or so. definitely. And And so she is not one of those people. And so when her and Dan make their games, they try to make sure that they include sort of the things that other game, other people are leaving out because they have assumed expertise in that book, right? Uh, I even think about like uh, um, when I read Heart the City Beneath, it sort of has like these beginner role-playing things, but I think it also makes some assumptions about how like, hey, if you come from like an O background you'll understand like sort of the greatness of this game a little bit more or to that effect right and right um i think that when we think about adding these mechanics tips designer tips things inside of our 
books in our in our content our products that we can't always assume that the person who's picking up our book is someone who's been designing right so i guess when so in their in your question about like who are we designing for is that stuff more geared towards the game designer i think it's also geared towards like the new gm right because they're essentially a game designer maybe not in the mechanical or write a book sense but they're writing narrative adventure on top of all of our stuff you know what i mean they're designing still just narratively yeah yeah so let's help them do that you know let's help them do that let's make uh games that people can play yeah (laughs) we do have a caller yeah currently sitting in the waiting room his uh friend of the show i don't one day i'll won't get to say that about somebody we have eli sitting in there uh so i'm going to pull eli in unless you've got more no let's no no just want to shout out jason dex for joining us for the show for the first time it seems like hello welcome to the thanks for calling the tabletop calling show who are we talking to if you can hear us this is eli sykes and (gasps) i Scared by Jeremy to join the show. <laughs> I will fight you until you join. <laughs> well, it worked. Congratulations. <laughs> How's it going? It's going pretty good. Yeah, I was just enjoying your chatting about mechanics and how much you put in background reasoning. And something I've been thinking about recently is how do you include your personal, like, authorial voice in RPGs? and find a balance between voice and tone and explaining mechanics that can be difficult to explain just by themselves, but also wanting to get away from just like a board game manual that's five pages long that you flip through that tells you what to do, but there's no flavor to it. Mm -hmm. Look at me. (laughs) Out of the two of us, you're the expert currently, so. Is that, I mean, I don't know. You have to give the best <laughs> answer. True. You have to give the best answer. Right. Uh, I'll so follow how, up on that show. So you're you're basically asking here, how do you make, like how do we approach making our games not boring as hell to read? Yeah, exactly. Is that accurate? <laughs> <laughs> um, great question. I don't know if I do is one <laughs> one answer, but I think what I try to do to who knows what what degree of success is to just like think about i think think about how you would interact with those mechanics it, and so even if it is still just me saying like this is how this works this is how this works like structuring it in a way even if like the text isn't super oh my god I just looked at the chat and see <laughs> Jeff Stormer say I'm Hollywood yes. voice actor Matt Mercer I can't deal with it <laughs> you all are famous now <laughs> so trying to structure it in a way that like just makes sense so that if this is the first mechanic you're going to interact with it's the first one you read about and if if that brings in another one that's how you instead of just being like because there are some games that are just like a loose collection of rules and it's challenging to figure out how to actually (laughs) understand how to play it Mm -hmm. so if you don't have like a spicy style of writing which also would help like if you're just if if the words you're writing are genuinely fun to read which i don't know if mine are 
that would help. But if they're not planning around like it being an object of play, I think is good. That makes sense. I think that's how I structured my last scene quest game. That was, if you're going to play this game, you start at page one, and by the time you get to the end of the book, you've played the game. You kind of go in order. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and thinking about, like, in the, the game itself, like, where certain pages are, like, the center spread is the easiest one to get to, so put something important there. Mm-hmm. The back page mm-hmm. is a good mm-hmm. spot, because you can get right to it. What do you think, Jeremy? Uh, that way, right? I think I think you had a great answer. I think that there's definitely uh, Eli. I just want to clarify one thing. When we talk about this authorial voice and not making our games boring to read, right? Like getting them away from the reference guide. Um, do you mean this in form of like the entirety of text, or do you mean like can this be? Do you think this could be supplemented by? examples right like play examples that you put after like rules or something like um uh blades in the dark does does this to to some effect right yeah yeah i think that that's absolutely a way that some writers and designers have introduced their voice is through those play examples and you can make it those examples connect and build a characters that are the players and characters that are the players characters within your examples <laughs> and i think that that's a really neat way to go about it but i also have seen plenty of games that introduce that flavor and tone within the writing of the rules themselves mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. we think about apocalypse world mm-hmm. and the way that that rules text reads is very flavored mm-hmm. I uh, I only ask as a priming because for me I think that it's almost like I'd for me if I were thinking of my own personal principles I think it'd be something where I just have two sections of a book where like one section is sort of like a like like we've proposed here today kind of walking through the main text of rules and adding in flavorful um, uh, prose and things like that that help help the help get those things across in a sugar-coated way. But I think I would also include a section that is hard reference for like when you want to, especially depending on how crunch game is. Um, I think this also depends on the style of game you're writing to what effect I would do this. But uh, I would definitely include like a back section or a front section, whatever. Uh, how some books include like a flow chart, right? Like Iron Sworn does this to some effect. Um, but just the section where it's like, an index or a glossary of like, hey, here are the terms we went over in like the very flavored portion. If you imagine trying to bring that book to the table, have all that sort of uh, prose present rules and trying to sift through that and get to an answer that you need right now, rather than answer that you need to like skim for without like highlighting your book or whatever. So I would include like a reference section, I guess, and separate those two to make it make one a tool version and make one a mm. fun to read version mm-hmm. yeah i know that there have been a number of games that do the iron sworn i also know that flotsam is a blind side blind mm-hmm. game that introduced like a flow chart or like a checklist of how you set scenes in that game mm-hmm. that's kind of like an order to it so that's definitely a really good tool that really helps cater to like you were talking about before i came on of how do people play this game, especially if you have been playing games for a long time? 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, trying to not make those assumptions about the audience that are picking because we don't know who's gonna who's gonna buy our content once it's out there. You know what I mean? I just put it in the chat, but if the show crashes, it's because my computer. I can kind of feel a blue screen coming on. <laughs> it's <laughs> been, really starting to jive oh, slow. It just did something weird to my display, and it's just been happening lately. So sorry about that. But yeah, I think that's the the. Splitting it into kind of reference bit makes sense to me. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the problem with, like, making the text, like, overly engaging. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah. Then when you're playing, you're like, how the hell does this work? I swear it's in here. Yeah. <laughs> 60 pages to find this rule. Damn you, D&D. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, oh. cool. Well, Eli, do you uh, have any have anything you want to plug or anything before you? Yeah, skedaddle? I mean, I am currently thinking about this prob- problem because I am currently writing my Zine Quest game, which is called Thursday, and it's a belong inside belonging game about time travel loops based on the Netflix show Russian Doll, mm. and it's going to be real cool. It's and great. It's going to come out this it's summer. So cool! I need it. I need and it if out. If you want to learn more, you should listen to me talk to Jeremy about on the DYD podcast because that was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward I to it. I need it out. I'm excited about it. <laughs> All right. Talk to you guys later. Yeah, see ya. Bye, Eli. Thank you. Cool. <laughs> I love it. Licks yeah. fingers, holds it up to the wind. <laughs> I feel a blue screen. <laughs> chat is good today. Thank you, chat. I, uh, yeah, I'm kind of ill-prepared for that question, I think, because my shit's probably boring <laughs> to read. No, what? At least I it, literally just told you well, no, Reliant, a great voice. What do you mean? Well, Reliance is good because it's so damn short that I had to make it good. <laughs> it's like a self-editing thing. Do not. But I'm going to yell. Don't the, make me yell. The games are good. It's You don't have to yell. It's fine. I'm not saying that anything that I'm making is bad. I just think that that is a weak part of, of my design. Probably. My my pulp level. <laughs> the pulp is happening. <laughs> We've got another caller in the queue. It is Discord user Randy Lubin. Uh, so I'm going to... Usually I say that so that then the stream delay happens and that person can hear it and mute the stream so they don't have a brain attack when they hear <laughs> us twice. <laughs> so here we go. Hey, thanks for calling the Tabletop Call-In Show. Uh, hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good, fan of the show. Ooh, thanks. <laughs> so calling in to um, uh, continue the conversation I was just having and um, throw out that there's a bunch of interesting examples of uh, writing that helps um, helps facilitate both beginners, beginner players, as well as integrate the voice of the text um, and the, all the things to reference into the flow of the game. And that's in the like freeform LARP side of the design community mm. that like LARP, LARP scripts are a huge thing. So that um, sometimes the whole game is a LARP script, uh, just like Eli was saying with the, the zine where you just kind of read it front to back and that's the whole game. And sometimes there's the material that's separate from the script. But the idea is that as a facilitator, you just have this script that could be, you know, however many pages you need that you just go through one step at a time. So when you're like there in the moment running the game, you, you kind of just need that one thing front and center and uh, and you just go step by step through the script and you know the game is going to 
kind of run itself, at least from like a facilitation standpoint. Right. Randy coming in hot with the <laughs> knowledge. I fucking love it. Let's go, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound good. I don't, I haven't done enough. I've done really, zero I haven't, LARP. Yeah, I haven't, I've done good. very little in, in like stuff in the LARP zone and i would like more especially soon <laughs> whenever <laughs> that's a thing I need a yeah. to get in. Yeah. so like so what's i think there's so much that the tabletop scene can learn from the larp scene and vice mm-hmm. versa um mm-hmm. scripts being one one good side of it um and it's just uh, yeah i feel like uh, if there's a good place to look to get started with some of this the past golden cobra winners is mm-hmm. definitely a good one so golden cobra is an annual uh like american freeform larp writing competition and uh you know it's like like many game games we'll throw in like a few suggestions and ingredients but you can kind of do whatever you want in terms of topic and and theme but it has to be short so the games are all under i think four pages so really easy to just like jump in look at a few of the winners see what they're doing um and i think a good good chunk chunk of them are written with like script format right i have read a fair number of the golden cobra games and they just kind of light my brain up but organizing a play session is always daunting but i would like to yeah and I, I actually haven't looked at it in like a year or two so i'm gonna i'm gonna get in there the most recent year was all um remote games or Ooh. either either live remote games or like letter writing epistolary games um mm-hmm. of course because of the pandemic so uh lots of fun things that are easier i think to get to the the virtual table right yeah because i've got people that like this kind of stuff on the internet there are more of them on the internet than what you could find in person i think unless you've got a LARP type community. Totally. Oh, another um, uh, reference point. Uh, this is just an example I love. It's actually from board games more than anything, but writing the instructions in character and having some sort mm-hmm. of like frame story can really punch things up. So my favorite example of that is a game called Space Alert, oh. where you're uh, you're playing a bunch of um, space cadets on a like what should be an autonomous like self-flying spaceship just you're just there just in case something goes wrong but inevitably things go wrong and then you have to start breaking it or start fixing what's broken but uh the whole rule book is written in um from the perspective of like the instructor who's training you who's like i swear nothing's gonna go wrong um i think, it, I think actually it opens by saying like uh you know we're, we're here to to celebrate the memories of our brave crew members who were lost in the <laughs> oh, sorry wrong speech wait no welcome <laughs> And so it's just like, it, right. there's lots of good humor and flavor in there. And because it's like a training thing, um, it totally makes sense for the information to be delivered about how to play the game because it's training. Yeah. Yeah. The first couple of missions, I actually, I love Space Alert and teach it at uh, conventions for CGE. And everybody's always impressed with how well I'm teaching it. And it's like, I'm just following the script <laughs> of this incredible rule book. Because, yeah, those first couple of missions are just like, here's some of the rules. Uh, and the reason you only have some of them is you're in, like, an empty room with buttons on the wall and you just have to pretend. And then eventually it's like, okay, you're on the real ship. Uh, it's Space Alert's really good. It's it's so smartly designed. Yeah. yeah. I just wrote down everything. All I'm doing is learning <laughs> right now. So, like... Uh, so one one final um, sort of vector to, to throw in here, and this harkens back to something you were saying more at the top of the show about like making things really beginner friendly, both for like a beginner GM or a beginner player, mm-hmm. uh, and that is um, making really obvious optional choices so that because I think like if you're if you're new to running a game or new to playing a game, part of the learning curve is learning the mechanics, but the other part is the like creative improv, having something interesting to say. So mm-hmm. having 
obvious defaults that aren't aren't might not be the most creatively brilliant thing, but are at least like will keep mm. the game moving. I think is really really strong. Um, one example I can point to there is uh, a game called uh, Ghost Court by Jason Morningstar, which sure. is uh, sort of Judge Judy but with with ghosts. And um, uh, so the idea is that there are these matched cards of plaintiff and defendant, and uh, the game loop is you know plaintiff talks for a minute, defendant talks for a minute, and then the judge has three minutes to answer and ask questions and then render a verdict. But the cards themselves have like a paragraph of te text describing who your character is as plaintiff or defendant. And the, uh, I think the really brilliant thing is they're written in such a way that if you are a confident improver, you can totally ham it up and like do your own interesting, engaging uh, riff on the character. But if you're uh, a more novice improver, you can always fall back and pretty much just read the cards. There's like the obvious thing to lean on. Uh, and so I think that's that's really savvy, and the more gamers can have, maybe not as as far in the direction as obvious, just read the thing, but having some like very quick options off a pick list. I think that's like the belonging outside belonging games do a good job of this, and then and I guess yeah. a lot of PBTA games in general just have really evocative moves that you can just do the obvious thing, and you're going to be in genre doing something that's that's mm -hmm. going to be fun and advance the story. Yeah, the first thing that I thought of when you said that was like the GM moves in. PBTA games because those at least for me those are really helpful because every time the table's looking at me for what happens like the game's like tells you like, look at this list and then make one of these vague sentences happen <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and usually if I'm stumped like the answer is in there which is really nice and hopefully I don't know how yeah yeah <laughs> ghost yeah, court having, having good defaults good mm -hmm. good things that are at hand to, good. to grab and do uh, is awesome I agree. Oh, yeah. one more one more example I'll throw out, and then okay. I'll, I'll be done. I'm, I'm um, happy I to think, hear it because uh, this is good shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I love how in um, Alex Roberts for the Queen, like oh, the instructions yeah. are just part of the game, and so you're mm -hmm. just flipping over the cards, and they're right there, and uh, and so that way, I mean, it's a GMless game, and you don't even need somebody who's like, yeah, they're not the GM, but they're kind of de facto the GM because they read the rules in advance, because that's just mm -hmm. not necessary. It's just it's all there. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's like teaching you the flow of the game by the like the way that you're reading them. Exactly. Yeah, right. it does that double duty. Not only are you learning the rules, but you're actually playing the rules. Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> this is also just so everyone knows. It doesn't always have to be a question when you do the call-in show. You can you can drop stories. You can drop bombs. We're not perfect. I am. I've been exposed to uh, at current count sixty-three of maybe. A billion games in existence, <laughs> so my percentage pool is not large. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just so much out there that somebody, mm -hmm. perhaps Randy, calls in and just knows a lot more about stuff in, in this category, and it's just great to hear it. Because yeah, thank you for for all of it. Mm -hmm. My pleasure. Thanks for uh, pulling me on. Yeah. yeah, of course. Do you have a? You uh, want to plug anything? Before, oh, yeah, if you're sure. gonna, before um, you go? I guess I will plug StorySynth, which is a free web platform uh, I make and maintain uh, for play, for making, playing, and sharing very simple uh, prompt-driven storytelling games, like For the Queen, but there's a handful of other mechanics you can layer on top, so you can get a little more complex. So Descended from the Queen, once, twice, three times removed. So uh, my, my goal is to make it as easy as possible for anyone to go from idea to playable game, 
and you just add your prompts uh, and any custom options to a spreadsheet, drop the link of the spreadsheet into StorySynth, and it auto-makes the game. You can then auto-make, share it with folks, and it'll create new sessions. If you're in a session with somebody else, it'll sync all the cards and the data so you see the same things at the same time. So really, really excited for how that shaped up. There's a handful of designers making cool games on it, so if you go to storysynth.org and check out the gallery, you can see some of the cool games that people have made. And uh, if anyone has feature requests or needs help, I'm always so happy to help out. So just let me know. Awesome. Yeah, if I can ever make a, a prompt-driven game, I'll be there. Because <laughs> that's very good. Well, thanks again for having me on the show. And uh, take care. All right. Thanks, thank you. Bye. Bye. Uh, Jeremy, are you frozen? Wow. Are you here? Uh, I get the privilege of interviewing Randy on Thursday. So this is great. That's a little preview yeah. for you. Yeah, a little preview. You get the Colin Show exclusive. When the episode airs, who's to say? <laughs> In a thousand years. Yeah. Or next week when you drop all of the things you're holding. Yeah. All 12. <laughs> just putting in. Oh, God. <laughs> that was great. I loved it. I was yeah. here for it. I have a whole note card worth of information now. Yeah, I'm sitting there. I'm letting it process in. Letting it filter into the folds. What what little folds I have available today? <laughs> you have so many folds. Today, Ooh. Adam. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> would you? Do you hear that? Does everyone hear that? I do I'm hear it. I'm throwing my pen. There you go. A third time. We don't have any callers yet. And do you while wanna... that's processing in our brains, there's questions to be answered still. Yeah, let's get a real chunky one, like from uh, Chris Bissett here. Asking who would what would win in a fight? Three thousand tiny Chewbaccas or one regular sized Gyarados? It's pronounced Gyarados. I don't know. I, Jesus. I don't know how Pokemon are pronounced. <laughs> That's the big rock snake, right? No. What? <laughs> no, it's not. Okay. That's Onyx. How dare you? Gyarados. I uh, oh, the answer yeah, is Gyarados in my one. mind. There's no way three thousand unless the tiny Chewbaccas have weapons, but I'm assuming they that do. they're only they always what? have little crossbows, right? Oh crossbows though? Don't, don't also you... how tiny is tiny? Chris? Chris, hello? How <laughs> tiny is tiny? Bowcasters. <laughs> Bowcasters, yeah. <laughs> I'm really ruining everybody's day today. <laughs> Crossing a lot of genres here. In <laughs> Just butchering it. Uh, uh, my answer is Gyarados. There's no way you survive a hyper beam or a fucking waterfall, no matter how many of these tiny ant creatures there are. You think they're ants? I think the tiny you think they're ant size? size of a. They're like squirrel sized. Squirrel minimum. size. Maximum. Yeah. Well, what is squirrel size maximum? In the world's greatest role playing game, what is, what is tiny? I'm Googling it. It's a sturge. Could they fit under it's doors? It's a fucking ivy. It's a goddamn bat. So, according to the player's the handbook of the world's greatest role-playing game, Tiny can control an area of two and a half by two and a half feet. Yeah, no Those way. Chewbacca's no are winning. Way these Absolutely. It's one... You're wrong. <laughs> goddamned fucking hyperbeam to, like... Even if it's not all 3,000 at once, that thing killed 1,500 of them. Cut it they, in half immediately on go one. 
I think you're really underestimating the bowcaster. Apparently, Jeff Stormer <laughs> is upset. They fire green lasers. All right, so that's a stalemate. Uh, folks <laughs> in the chat. It's not a stalemate. Can... <laughs> it's a goddamn victory for the Gyarados. That's, that's not... what you say. I, if the chant can decide for their own selves. What else do we have here? Uh, <laughs> Jimmy Shelter's question is just rude. I'm not even going to. You can read it out if you want. <laughs> because you hate it. What's the size and why is it the D4? Let me tell you why. Because. It's a dice that is certain. Hits the table, it doesn't roll, and it says, this is the number I am. I'm not going to keep you guessing. It doesn't but, tease you. But it is going to keep you guessing, because they they all have the number in a different spot, and you're like, which one is that? Sorry, we're not buying the right D4s. That's not on me. <laughs> That's on the buyer. The only If you decide which style of D4 you want, flat or pointy, Ty, call in real quick. D4, <laughs> call in, Ty. I just need to talk to you for like two seconds. Can we take this out back, please? Um, Thank I, you, MB. I, MB, uh, call in along with Ty. <laughs> I've already, I think I complained about the D4 in the pre-episode pre two. <laughs> pre-episode one? One or two, whichever one in the, in the podcast feed. So I don't need to get into it, but Ty is correct in the chat saying D4 sucks. Get me out of here. I am with it. This is, this is one of the... All right. How do we get... Should we answer Aaron's other question or pick a number between one and two and we'll, we'll go to that one. I'll roll a D4 for it. <laughs> okay. Evens, we go with Aaron. Odds, we go with Jeff. That's evens. We go with Aaron. Also, uh, I read that D4 in a second. I'm basically a machine. Oh, Ty's trying to call it. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's get him in. Hi. Thanks for calling the Tabletop College Show. What's going on? Yeah, you want to talk shit about D4s? Let's go. <laughs> I I have a genuine question. I'm not here to talk shit about D4s, <laughs> even though they suck. Here we go. All right. What's your question, Ty? All right. Uh, Welcome back to the show also. Wow, that's that's quite the intro. It's, I'm I'm off kilter now. But, uh, <laughs> that's my so life. My question that's is, what I present to people. <laughs> yeah, you, you. That's the way to get a good interview too, right? You just get someone <laughs> completely off kilter that they can't they can't uh, think straight. But all right, here's my question. Um, so thankfully, uh, the the COVID days are finally going to you know over maybe the next six months wind down mm -hmm. a bit and mm -hmm. i think one of the things we've saw like seen with covid is that um a lot of like solo games are doing really well and you know like it kind of opened up an entire new uh subset of of gamers that not not the bad gamers but the the role play gamers to see that sort of thing and i wanted to know if you think that the trend is going to end when we're all back around the physical table playing with friends or, you know, what other sort of like trends that we've seen over this quarantine period uh, that you, that you want to talk about and, and hear more about or think are going to stick around or maybe go away. 
You want me to just re-ask that maybe question. with more clarity? No. <laughs> I no, get it. I I get it. Yeah, I get it. I'm here. If you wanted to re-ask it, you could. Like, I'm not going to stop you. But you don't. <laughs> you don't need to at all. <laughs> I think uh, that that why don't I don't see any reason why it would go away. I think it, especially at the beginning, uh, whenever people do start hanging out with people more, I think we probably all have forgotten how to do that. <laughs> and so might spend more time like, oh, I'm just going to stay in tonight. Actually, I'm good. Uh, as we ease back into the, the previous lives. Um, but even then, like there's still plenty, there are plenty of days. I think that people are going to be like, you know, I could just be playing. Give me a solo game, quick. Oh, uh, uh, the machine. I could just be playing the machine right now, you know? Why not? Because, I mean, it's not like video games. Uh, solo video games have been around for eons. Um, mm-hmm. And we play those. But, the like, the, the mechanical design space of solo games is just such a fun little playground because uh, you could do so much weird stuff. Um, I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. But what do you think, Jeremy? Uh, I think uh, Jace Addicts says something interesting that you guys were playing with friends at Physical Tales Before COVID, question mark. And while that's probably partially a shit post, it's also technically like, I think it's a it's an assumption that we make that collaborative games at the table where like the mainstay. But like I said in the last guest, there are billions of games out there and billions of different players. And so while maybe, I don't know, in America, that's the only vacuum I can speak of. Maybe solo games weren't ultra popular. Uh, that doesn't mean to say that solo games aren't popular somewhere else. So I think just the trend is starting to bleed out. There's also people who, um, you know, I, I, I've seen conversations about how people probably won't really retain a sense of normalcy when it comes to engaging with others with a sort of anxiety built up from COVID about how um, even if everyone's vaccinated, there's still going to be the slight unease of being in large groups of people to some effect, right? Maybe you'll open up a little who don't just because they want to be safe or that they've had some uh, additional trauma attached to their lives because of this. And that's that's fine. I just think that the tr- to for all of that is what I'm pointing to, and that I think solo games have probably always been popular in other places, and like uh, MV is a huge solo game fanatic, and uh, I believe MV is only twenty years old, twenty one. Am I wrong? MV, correct me. I don't know how old you are, <laughs> but I I know you're going to universe. So uh, I'm making an assumption, but like that's MV's whole bread and butter. You know what I mean? And there are probably other people who have only like of solo games, like period, like they love the video game, solo game. They love the tabletop solo game. They love journaling. They love all of that. So I think in a, if we're talking to America, maybe we'll see more solo games. And I think that there's more content out there for solo game actual plays that maybe I haven't seen but there's definitely room for uh, innovation in sort of the content creation field in that spectrum for solo games. Uh, and 
yes. To, answer, to flat out answer your question, yes. I think there will be an upswing of solo game design from all of this, uh, particularly talking about America. Uh, I can't speak for other countries, but that's where my intuition lies. Cool, yeah. And and just to shout out Riley in the chat, uh, despite asking this question about going back to, you know, uh, the real world, uh, my longest, like, gaming group, like, eight years, I think, has been completely online. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm an old hand. The nice thing about this quarantine was seeing all of the, uh, the, the virtual tabletops sort of get supported more because it's like, Oh, I've been here so long, and it's like it's finally nice that that all the the games are like, oh, we're we're going, you know, and we're gonna support digital play. So that that was one of the nice things to see. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that's it for me. Cool. Thanks. I do play games that I play games in person a lot, and I like it, and I miss it. <laughs> I do. I do also miss it. I can't. I, you know, I just got my first dose last week and i'll be getting my next dose on the 20th mm. and uh after that two-week gestation i would like to see some friends for sure who have mm-hmm. also received their vaccinations play some games at a table for sure yeah yeah heck yeah um thank you ty thanks thank yeah, you and, yeah and any... the d4 does suck <laughs> any, any... Nope, no you plans. run okay. you coward <laughs> just gone uh but yeah i most of my friends that i've made in my adult life have been through like board games and stuff so like it's usually pretty easy for me to be like we're we're playing a role-playing game tonight uh and you're gonna like it <laughs> so like Deal. That's, that's where i got a lot of a lot of that play in back in the day when that was a thing but yeah yeah, I think that I think solo games are still around to stay. But we do have another person in the queue. Friend of the show, Will Yopst, is is up next. Let's fucking do it. Hey, thanks for calling the Tabletop Calling Show. What's going on? Hey, Will here. Hey, Will. How you doing? Hey, Jeremy Adam. It's <laughs> this show is so good. Thank, well, thank you. Thank you. Um, it's Willie Ups, game designer uh, in New York, Ontario, Canada. How's it going? Um, What's up, everybody? <laughs> What's happening? I, I, I had to step out for the last few minutes, but um, I popped back in for the conversation about like gaming in quarantine and with and without people. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, both of you um, have made a ton of stuff in the last year, which is really hard to do. Uh, and you should be really proud of that stuff you've made, whether it's um, two to three tabletop related shows or uh, <laughs> the precipice of uh, the new funding program that we'll all be using or seeing quest, etc. Um, how have you found the support communities that you reach for or create or use in this time? It's something I've been thinking about having just gone to an art gallery for the first time in 18 months or whatever. Mm-hmm. And just seeing a ton of art had me feeling like, damn, what does this feel like to folks that aren't creating in this online affinity community, basically? Hmm. Yeah, that's I'm trying to find an answer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, hard, right? It's really hard. Difficult. (laughs) 
So it's, are we talking about like how you got something, Jeremy? I was going to try to clarify. I'm still working through my brain. I'm smoking. Okay. You're, you're oh, sorry. fizzling. I have a bad <laughs> You can come back. Sean, what, what is your first best player character? First? No, I like the first question better. What do you mean first best? Okay, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> your first one's never going to be good. Uh-huh. It's Which... not. I no, think my it's first usually one was bad. Who was your first one? I want to know about both. <laughs> yeah. Uh it was a D&D 5e monk named Lin Poo. <laughs> I'll never forget. You never forget your first. I think my uh, my first like mute, Oh, you, you got more. Rat. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> this is more no. This Jesus. I need to know oh, more about so good. <laughs> that's it. That's all I got. I'll share no more. <laughs> my first 3 or 4 D&D characters were all named Glingerfell, <laughs> <laughs> which was the name Sorry. my freshman year of college, my friend made me start playing Lord of the Rings online with him for, it, I lasted a week, but my character there was Glingerfell, and then he ended up being the first DM, so of course I brought brought him back. Glingerfell. Uh, <laughs> Could you spell that for everyone in the chat for me, please? <laughs> it's G-L-I-N-G-O-R-F-E-L. No, no, I want you to type it out <laughs> in the chat. Based based on name alone, Jeremy, do you think we could figure out what the character build was on the name Glingerfell? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking two-weapon ranger, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just really a strength ranger that has no business being in D&D, but really yeah. trying to figure it out. Yeah. I think, who was, which one was... The first one was a, the the Lotro character was a wizard with a bear companion. The, wow. Uh, I I think I've only ever really played casters because anything else is I don't want to swing I don't want to say I swing the sword a hundred times. Okay, that's that's interesting. <laughs> I go the opposite. I usually play some low mental real estate character. <laughs> <laughs> I want my cognitive load to be on vacation and, in Miami. And rolling a D eight is the best part about that game. So the D eight? Yeah. The long sword D eight. Seems fair. I wouldn't I'm know. I've never now. done it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't know. You can't hold Glingerfell is a title is what you're saying, not a character. I think I want to say the second time I brought Glingerfell back to Dungeons and Dragons, I think fourth edition at the time was I had a whole backstory about how, despite looking and being nothing close to the original Glingerfell, <laughs> was actually the same person through some tragedy. <laughs> wait, okay, wait, wait, wait. I wanna, I wanna do the existential question. Can you re-clarify the question for me so that I feel yeah. like I understand it when I answer it, instead of giving you an answer that answers something else? I would love to. Okay, context. I went to a private gallery showing for some MFA projects yesterday, and the main topic of conversation after like talking about the work was the circumstances by which the work was made. Um, in tabletop games, we have this uh, online community that is very collaborative and strong, at least on Twitter.com and on the Brain Trust and through Itch. Like we have a storefront that we can, we're all familiar with. How do you find that process and coming at that from maybe other artistic avenues mm. or whatever? Um, how have you found it in quarantine? Because those things existed before, but in this time of 
there's a lot of solo create creative making, but I feel like I'm exposed to tons of public game design, which mm. is really healthy for me. Mm. Yeah, I think it's I, I don't think I would have made really nearly close to as much stuff if I uh, as I have in the past year if I hadn't found online communities such as the official Discord for the Brain Trust podcast, of which I don't know what that is. Everybody should listen to that. It'd be like, <laughs> it'd be like what Will's talking about here. Uh, Two that... great hosts, thirty <laughs> great minutes, maybe sometimes more. Is that how long it is? I don't know how long it is. I just put it. Oh, on. we're at, we're at an hour, but I won't correct you on air, so you can edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, that's Chris basically Warren, been... like a thirty-four minute. That's we did one which was like damn we got to reset this shitty show <laughs> to get people back in <laughs> so i guess it worked uh uh to answer sort of how do these more public irl industries find online footholds and communities my me and my partner talk about this all the time grace she's a visual artist and we just last night had a conversation about how do we abuse things because I'm very like tech forward. I'm all about using the internet as a business tool and figuring out how I can reach as many eyes and ears as possible when it comes to the sort of stuff I'm creating, whether that be through itch, podcasting, how do I create that online funnel system, right? And I, I, I think that's what you're asking. Is that correct? I just want to make sure I'm still here. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> great good. good uh so i think there are like i think about things like dribble and um fucking was it behance are like some options for digital designers uh and those help i mean instagram is, a, is an obvious one but i have mixed feelings about instagram and then uh th i'm sure there are tools out there for getting those online things out there. And then for the community side of things, I think it's discords. I think it's just like, I, f I feel like there's just this, at least for what I've been exposed to with Grace, there's a sense of like traditionalism when it comes to art and that online is sort of like a thing a lot of uh, her older crowd of community members kind of scoff at. They're like, the most they'll do is a Facebook group, right? But I think, you know, utilizing things like Slack and discords, maybe having like digital art exposes. Like there's, um, what is that called? Uh, fucking motherfucking uh, gather town, right? Like mm -hmm, why not mm -hmm. have an art exhibition online through gather town and meet people too that way. Uh, that's certainly an option. Um, and having like fucking proper like art critiques like not the ones you had in college as a freshman where everyone's kind of just like dunking on you but like proper ones where people are examining like line art and you and asking about your color theory and uh contrast and things of that nature like really getting into the terminologies and saying like what was your intent here etc cetera, etc cetera, and fostering those conversations i think it's about using sort of the tools that are present even in ways that we've been do using as the game design community and figuring out how to i a game that play discord will you and adam uh and why not find a way to bring those community ideas that live in uh irl places 
and putting them digitally in the same sort of function, like posting up someone. I know not all like image, uh, visual artistry pictures well and transfers into like a, like you have to be there. It's like that sort of thing. I understand that at least from what Grace tells me. This is all very secondhand. I want, I want to put that as a grain of salt in this whole thing that I'm a very secondhand, like understand the art community in a, in that way. Uh, but that that would be my thought. That'd be my thought to bring like the community. Just figuring out how to structure that gap content that you went to and figuring out how to re-emulate that or restructure it for a digital landscape. Because there are more and more people using digital. I think about people who are just digital artists and use like Procreate or Affinity Designer or Adobe Illustrator. And that is their art form instead of like oil, watercolor, and charcoal and all that. Beautiful. I design in command line, so yeah, I get <laughs> I just, I keep seeing the cookie. I played a lot of League of Legends, and everyone put the cookie monster in the fucking macro. <laughs> so mad. Yeah, I, I think my simple, much simpler answer is that it has been oh, okay. very nice to, to well, I mean, I just don't have, that was a lot. I'm not, okay. I'm not <laughs> ascribing quality to simplicity here, <laughs> but just ha like hanging out with, or <laughs> hanging out on online with other creators that have, that are obviously going through similar stuff and thinking their stuff is cool mm -hmm. and having them think my stuff is cool has been, I mean, it's, that's nice. Because while that we all rules, yeah, <laughs> while we all wait for like commercial success and like the other people out in the world to find our shit, it's nice to be, like have that feedback back and forth. Like, yeah, our shit mm -hmm. rules. <laughs> the stuff that you're making, hey, it's good. Yeah, we it's, love it. It's especially nice to be a part of a design community or like affinity group, whatever. Community is a weird word here. Art collective. But Yes, where you're making things for this group to further the state of the art within this group. Mm -hmm. And it's like mm -hmm. when I first got into games a long time ago, um, I like wanted more than anything was like a cohort of designers that I could share stuff with. And like now I feel like mm -hmm. I have that, which is the goal. And so I've I've gotten that and done it. And so it's very nice and comfy to have that in quarantine where. I feel like I would have just stopped by now if that wasn't the case. Oh, I definitely would have. Yeah. What would, mm. who, who would I be making games mm. for? Fucking the, no one. The like three, the two strangers that I can't play them really if I don't landlord. have landlord. Like, yeah. <laughs> 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 On that note, um, I'll take my call off the air. But thank you, too. The show's killer. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. If you got any, if you want to plug anything, go for it. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, listen to the Brain Trust podcast with me and Adam Vass. Do it. Uh, go to the Discord. Everyone here is invited. Um, what else? <laughs> Fucking Torque, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. It's coming out in July. So like, what what month is it? Right? It is um, yeah. January, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry you actually confused me by saying that <laughs> i heard it as some i'm gonna be thinking about that today um if if you need editing on your game hit me up i would love to do that um 
my DMs are open. Otherwise, thank you too so much. The show rocks. Goodbye. See ya. Thank right. you. We've got one more caller uh, for today because we are at time, but I, that doesn't matter because we're not syndicated. We just do this on the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Vidita, get ready. Or viewers, get ready for Vidita. Hello. Welcome. Thank you for calling the Tabletop College Show. How are you on this fine afternoon? Silence. Vidita, hello. My sweet, my sweet, my Hello? sweet. Hello? Can you? <laughs> <laughs> well, wait. While Vaditya's uh, aching, mm-hmm. say, say hi, everyone. My partner, Grace, has joined the chat. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> hi, Grace. Grace, you did a great job interviewing Jeremy the other day. I enjoyed that podcast, that special episode of the Draw Your Dice podcast. With the mystery guest. With the mystery guest. So ignore... <laughs> <laughs> Is Vadita here? Uh, there's green. Yeah, yeah I, I hear. We appear to be having technical difficulties with our latest caller. We'll give it a couple of minutes and then we'll close the show Wait. down. Wait, I can hear Vadita. Oh, no. Is it on my end? It is on my end. Oh, good. Oh, thank Ooh, God. Hello. How long <laughs> How long have you been speaking? Uh, I don't know. Seconds. I've just been yelling help for a little bit. <laughs> I'm yeah. trapped in the college show void. I think you were, you were muted on my end because you must have called whenever we were having audio issues. Oh, no On worries. the show. But you're back. Hello. Thanks for calling. Hi. Hi, Vidya. <laughs> so, um, there have been great conversations happening. Uh, and there's, you know... I love hearing all about like community and where we're going and various genres and stuff, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. Um, in the past couple of months, I've been racked with nightmares, waking up in the middle of the night, just sweating with fear, thinking about uh, fucking progression in tabletop RPGs. Mm-hmm. I'm never satisfied by any of them. It keeps me up. I can't eat. Please, tell me, about, tell me about games that have progression that you really like, or what your ideal progression system would be in a tabletop RPG. Shit, now I'm going to be up. Are there any games that have progression systems that I really like? Okay, That's so wait. Great so wait. question. What, what, does, what is a progression game? What is a progression system to do, right? What is it supposed oh, to showcase? Leveling up, I guess bro. I'll, I'll, I'll narrow it a little bit. I'll, I'll say character progression, right? Because I feel like story progression and, and like mm-hmm. narrative progression, mm-hmm. like there's a lot of like tools mm-hmm. there. And there's a lot stuff, of progressions. Right? But like, I never feel, there's a lot of games where I never feel satisfied with the, either the pace or the mechanics or how my character is growing and my choice wouldn't matter. And like, you know, all of these things, right? Like there's pros and cons. So let's say like character progression. If that helps with narrowing it down. Yeah, I mean, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I feel like you took away all the good progressions. No, what do you mean? There are so many good progressions. <laughs> Narrative progression? <laughs> I'm here for that shit. <laughs> Lots of frameworks. Uh, yeah, Car- I agree, Viditya, first off, like before anything starts getting thrown out. I am <laughs> not... Uh, I think the biggest thing is like what you allude to is pacing. I think that sometimes the pacing 
of the narrative progression and the character like don't match all the time mm-hmm. like they just they feel like they're moving at two different speeds velocities. Mm-hmm. um hmm as to ones that i feel like i i guess another maybe this is a conversation about game balance as well but i was just thinking that i kind of like the way heart the city beneath does progression so they have what's called a callings system it's narrative beats so it ties in narrative progression and character progression and so mm-hmm. what you do is on your character sheet on the callings portion at the end of a session you will say hey gm i would like to experience these two things in the next session and i'll say like fall fall uh in love with someone and receive like a major blood fallout mechanically mm. and then if those t- if either of those things are accomplished they have an associated progression with them so like maybe the fall in love one has uh gives you a minor skill and the major blood fallout gives you a major skill and so that's how the game does like leveling up is when you compl- it's like milestone it's like gamifying stone the way that D&D does not gamify milestone um, at least in a structured way mm-hmm. and then in addition like their minor and major beats is are what they called and then there's zenith beats where you unlock a zenith ability and then that zenith also marks the end of your character so uh, because the ability generally kills you so in some way mm-hmm. that, that would be one that I feel good about, hmm. uh, but I still don't think quite gives me the full growth satisfaction that I feel like a character progress. I think when I think like traditionally level up, like it's still not like a level up style system. It's still more a narrative system. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that's not the best answer for your character growth one, but I think it's well, an issue with pacing, like you said. I guess I would consider it. That that sounds like a character thing because it's still like yeah. character is progressing and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, you're you're I unlocking like new that. powers and stuff. I think that counts. Yeah. Um see I my I think my problem with a lot of the way that progression like mechanical progression systems are designed is like the pacing of it because the game designer d- designs the progression system on the way they pace their games and then nobody else paces the game like plays at that pace. Because everybody plays games differently, so I think like the most flagrant example of that would be like Blades in the Dark, which to me I feel like a lot of the mechanics in that are too like they they work the longer term mechanics like work at a weirdly slower pace. Mm-hmm. Because I believe I think I've I've read or seen that John Harper plays Blades in the Dark where like a score is like three or four dice rolls and then it's over. And, oh wow! Yeah, if I if I'm running plays in the dark, I mean like the score is the whole session. Like yeah, <laughs> um, we're going in. Like, dude. We're not we're not pumping through one or two of them. We're so because then there are mechanics that are like oh for the crew playbook. If you answered yes once, then that's one XP. But if you said more than once, it's two XP. So things like did you execute a successful smuggling job? And it's like yeah, we will only ever do that once. <laughs> We don't play at this <laughs> rapid fire place. And then a lot yeah, of the other yeah. stuff I think goes in <laughs> with that. I could be wrong about that, I, but I'm pretty sure I saw that that's how he plays that game. 
which seems like a wild way to play it. I'd be interested in trying it, but I don't think I could ever run it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't imagine. Blades in the Dark has always been, or any Forge in the Dark game, has always been one full session of mission and mm-hmm. one full session <laughs> yeah. of time. Mm-hmm. Right, not like back and forth between those two, which I think that also explains the way like the harm reduction in that game works, which like it takes mm. like four downtimes to heal your harm, but like, oh, okay, it's yeah. because... He thinks you're doing three downtimes in a session. <laughs> <laughs> not, yeah, and not only that, it's like you're ripping through only like harm comes from more rolls. Mm-hmm. It's like the more you roll, the more you're stressing and hurting yourself. Like, yeah, maybe there should be some guidance about mission length. Yeah. Potentially. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So pacing. Pacing yeah. like a big one. Yeah, I think heart is a good one. I think. I think what the the more satisfying end of the spectrum are ones where growth is considered through skills, even as like mechanically uh, foregrounded as like step die systems, uh, mm-hmm. but something that says more about like emotional weight or experiential growth or something that's like not video game where like numbers have to be generated to present growth to the character. Right. Um, you know, I want to learn my channel divinity through like, like as a cleric, right? Like if we're talking about the, the world's most popular role playing, <laughs> I'm going to throw up. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which you should all go check out all nerds here. Uh, but, <laughs> the uh for puppets the um mm-hmm. yeah i think the ones where it's like it's it makes it seem like a person like you're vesseling a person rather than you're vesseling a set of code i feel like numbers feel like code so like when i play dnd 5e i don't want to get like channel divinity at level four because that's what the game says i want to get channel divinity because i proved to my god that I am worthy of his domain's power or mm. something to that effect. Like I'm worthy of the cause that they've set forth for me. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's my dream. <laughs> oh, the people that play the world's most popular role-playing game and actually follow its roles on XP. Bless their heart. That's so much work. <laughs> that's me. I'm that you do that. You calculate it and stuff. Yeah. Ooh. Cause I, miles, like, it, it's like, I, as the GM say, when you level up, mm-hmm. what? Like, that doesn't feel good to a lot of people. It's like, I feel like I should be level four. Yeah, but you still haven't gotten into the king's castle, so no (laughs) stone advantage yet. Like, that's bullshit, dude. We just took on 20 bandits. Back when I ran it, we did... I I just kind of... We did gut-based, you know? I was like, when was the last time we leveled up? Y'all want another one? Or, like, we we ready for it? And that worked pretty well. But can, I just... I, can I toss in like a, a, a sub question real yeah, quick? Yeah, please. How do you how do you feel about um, like talking about you know like not just numbers going up? And I feel like progression is a thing that we think about linearly in terms of like power scaling. Mm-hmm. But what do you feel about progression that like takes into account maybe a character's decline <gasps> or or like downfalls or flaws? Right? It's like mm-hmm. oh, because that's something that I want to explore in my own games where it's like progression means character change and characters can change in good and bad ways right mm-hmm. like that's what yeah yeah oh shit i'm tingling i'm picking the fruit <laughs> i'm juicing it i'm getting ready to taste it right now 
<laughs> this is a hashtag Juice Nation moment. Uh, no, because in uh, you haven't, you, you don't know about Juice Nation. Part of it now, so hashtag Juice Nation. Uh, but when in that same cleric example, right? What if I'm mm -hmm. not doing the thing my God wants for me? I just finished watching season one of Fantasy High for Dimension Twenty. And mm -hmm. uh, one of the players, Allie, is playing a character named Kristen, who is the uh, chosen of the corn god. Mm -hmm. Very, like, kind of stereotypical, Bible-thumping style of character, at least for, like, the first two or three episodes. And then mm -hmm. as the progression of the show goes on there's like some doubts that throw in she starts learning about other cultures and their religions and it's like wait is the corn god like not cool is the corn god bad he did a lot of crusades this is okay hold on and then, like starts questioning her faith right and questioning a faith is part of faith in of itself so like mm -hmm. she creates a new god for herself and her all of her abilities are sort of like reflect that and a way to change this thing, but like what if what if i find out the like century of my god that like is not cool and i'm like i don't agree with this i don't want like am i do i have to be a tempest cleric for the rest of the game no i want to be able mm -hmm. to switch over to like a fucking love because light seems dope and lightning seems like a butthole so like <laughs> i would and and then again like what happens when i have to re like refollow a new faith what what happens when I have to reinstill a new faith inside of my? What does that progression? Like I lose everything from Tempest, mm -hmm. and now I have to start slowly proving myself in light. It's not a one to one. They they don't have the same ideals. So like, what what does that look like in a progression system? And I think what you're alluding to is very in, not not just on the cleric level, but even like, what if I do a crime? What if I kill someone for the first time? What if I um what if I save someone from a burning building? Like what does all of that due to my character both in skill and in mental and physical capacity right mm-hmm yeah oh that's good that's good that's good <laughs> i think a lot I'm of anything? like the negative type progression yeah it's, you just have to have player buy-in i think so like building mm -hmm. structures for the players to be like yeah i want to fuck this person up that i'm yeah. playing <laughs> like let's go um but like I, I am not super well versed in OSR type stuff, and I feel like there's a lot of that in there. But it, mostly in terms of like, oh, you were your hand was in the wrong place in the dungeon, and now you don't have it anymore. Yeah, so like very physical. Learning, looking at how different systems like that do it could be useful, and then like applying it to more other stuff that aren't just like injuries. Mm -hmm. Not that they all only do injuries, and, and but you know. I think that's yeah. a good a good area that's doing things like that because they're just used to characters dying and shit, so they're <laughs> happy to happy to fuck them this up. Is, this is just a whole. This is my this is my whole journey of being like, we think fail forward should also be a part of like fail forward doesn't mean just I failed a mm -hmm. die roll and I mark mm -hmm. progression. It should also be like, you know, like oh you didn't succeed at a quest but you still grew because of it right like right. succeeding and failing is all a part of growth that yeah. i think a lot of games are missing you know it's like right or mm -hmm. like if you fail you failed in this way and like that has 
downstream effects on basically everything we're going to do for the rest of this this campaign because your character yeah. trying to do this big important thing and like didn't it fell short in some way and like yeah that is going to change that character mm-hmm. but how you do that mechanically i don't know i hope you <laughs> find an answer because that sounds Let's cool as shit <laughs> I think there's also something to consider in terms of like you pointed out like a lot of it's linear design, but like what if it was lateral design? Like what if I don't want to be a cleric anymore? Also, that's progression, right? Like what if I just want to be a fighter? I don't want anything to do with the divine. I want to give it all up. What what does my character look like then? Do I have that option and can I go back? Where were you when I took off the robe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think about that with like PBT playbooks, and this is like older pvta games where it's like oh you once you've progressed through this playbook choose another one or retire and it's mm. like technically like mechanically i have to wait until i have fulfilled my duty as a cleric before i can change to something else right and it's like it's it's like weirdly freeform but also strangely restricting uh mm. in that sense <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah thank you Thank now, you. Hopefully, I'll, hopefully I'll be able to sleep at night. Yeah, man, I, I hope and that eat. we <laughs> have helped with that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. yeah what, what do you got to plug here? You, uh, I saw oh yeah, I, I, I saw Space Goblins pictures today. That looked yeah, very very I'll, nice. I'll plug a few things. So I'll hopefully try and get through quickly. But um, <laughs> for, for, you can, uh, I'm Vidi You can follow me online at Vidi basically everywhere. Um, you, uh, I just released a game called Basic TCG, which is like a community-created uh, trading so card good. game. So, so uh, you know, it, exi- it, it only lives if a community engages with it, so feel free to look into it. It's very easy to make cards for. It's very fun. Uh, you don't even need to play. You just could make a card, and then now that's available for people who want to play it, right? It's a cool time. Uh, and also, um, a cast member on Aldred's here, uh, happening at 3 p.m. EST is, uh, a game I'm not a part of, but on twitch.tv slash Aldred's here is, uh, Sunflower Street plays for the dungeon. So if you want to see, uh, players, or if you want to see puppets play a role-playing <laughs> game, uh, not players who are represented by puppets, but puppets who are characters playing characters in for the dungeon it's really good it's really <laughs> fun it's just it's really fun time so you never get to go and then similarly on twitch.tv special nerds here i'm a part of an all poc cast game of passion de las passiones uh called corazon station which is a sci-fi space station uh telenovela game uh we've got we've just like hit the hurdle of i think this is episode six so we have about four more episodes left in our season so come by watch it somebody if every episode is is like a season finale uh (laughs) that's kind of the best pitch i can give Uh, (laughs) no matter where you are you can always hop in and it'll be a blast that's about it cool yeah everybody check that shit out it's good if i find out you didn't show up i'm not letting you juice anymore Oh my god, Juice Nation! Juice Nation! Help the puppets juice. Help Corazon Station juice. Tell them Juice Nation sent you. Yeah. 
Yeah, and we yeah, that, I mean that is part of the reason why we shifted the time on mm-hmm. Sundays because there's no reason for our shows to be competing. For oh, thank you time so much. Really, I really love that. That made us all feel really loved, and this is a wonderful community, and, and we want to always share the love as well. So, well, thank right. you. Oh, Good talking know, to you. you. Thank you so much. See you later. All right. Uh, so that is that's the show. We did it. That's we're the tw- show. Twenty minutes over time this week, but uh, <laughs> as always. It's because the viewers took 20 minutes to find us and start calling in, which is good. I enjoyed it. We got through some of the uh, pre-questions from Twitter. We Mm -hmm. had some great conversations with some guests. We Mm -hmm. had a good time. Um, So you want to just wrap it up? Who are you, Jeremy? Hi, everyone. I'm Jeremy Gage. You can find me at Jamie Gage 5 over on Twitter. You can catch me on the Draw Your Dice podcast where you can listen to some of these callers who have been guests on the show, including Ab has also been on the show twice now. Uh, well. Where we learn about the principles and philosophies of game designers to help educate you and bring new inspirations to your next content project. Cool. And I am Adam. This is, this is the only show I do. So, like, follow me on Twitter or wherever else at Adamy Bell. Follow the show at Tabletop Call-In. Tune in live Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'd recommend it. I haven't been able to super keep up with chat because I don't. I only have so many brain processes, but it's been <laughs> great in there today. So, like, watch live so you can mm-hmm. join in that discussion. But, if, of course, if you can't watch live, get us on your podcast app. Uh, check it out on YouTube or watch the highlight on Twitch Whatever you want. Whatever's best for you. But watch it for real. <laughs> yeah, but for real, like, and, good like, stuff. And subscribe and shit and rate if you can. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. Mm-hmm. That's what you're supposed yeah, to say. Yeah, review it. Whatever. Give hey, us. What is up, guys? Welcome to my channel. <laughs> We're out of here. Hey, everyone. It's Farbray9000. <laughs> I just want everyone to like and subscribe and hit the notification bell so you can be reminded of when all the new videos come out uh-huh. each week. When? and Saturday. Smash that bell. Yeah, smash the bell. Tingling ring ring. (laughs) Alright, we're out of (laughs) here. Thanks everybody that called in. Thanks everybody that hung out. Thanks everybody that's listening to this later. Enjoy the tavern music. (laughs) 